Good morning, and I'm happy to be in church this morning, and I wanted to tell you that when I come to church, I'm just like everybody else, I don't really know what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, my whole thing is, is Holy Spirit show up, amen, so, you know, um, we're trying to take care of the presence of the Lord, okay, that's really what we're trying to do, and whatever that looks like and how that works, it's, it may be different than it was last week. But that's really kind of the goal, right? Is we want the Lord to come and reveal Himself to us in different ways and greater ways. So, you know, I was a few weeks ago, actually a couple of months ago, I was preaching in, through the book of Ruth, and uh, I never really was able to finish the book because uh, we had different people preaching and the last message I wanted to do out of it was going to actually take me two Sundays to do, two Sundays in a row and uh, I didn't really have two Sundays in a row to do it so I decided to wait. We had some great preachers in the last two, last month, well two months. We had, we had Becky, then we had Marlon, then we had David Harwood and then we had Suresh Babu last week. And all of them really just really brought some amazing messages, I felt like. And uh, I was sort of sandwiched in between them. Uh, so, but I was really blessed by all of the messages that the Lord's been giving us. I hope you were. If you weren't, um, God help you. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to finish this uh, Book of Ruth thing is because this is something like I shared when I first started. It's all through the spring and summer. It was really on my heart a lot. The Book of Ruth, and you know, God spoke to me a lot through the book. And actually, I could do a bunch more message on it, but I'm not going to do that. I'm hoping to do this one today and next Sunday, and then I'm I'm bailing out for a while. But I wanted to read this uh, verse, Ruth two verse one. It says there was a relative of Naomi's husband a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. And so, you know, really what I want to talk to you about some kind is Boaz. Uh, because without Boaz, the book of Ruth would not exist really. Amen? And I think one of the things um, we can, in our Christian life, is we really want to be diligent and you know, do the right thing, you know, show up, right? And the Lord really wants us to do that, but if He doesn't show up, if Boaz doesn't show up, it's not going to be a good day. And if you think about this book, Boaz is really what made this book such a redemptive and powerful book. As Ruth went out into the field that day to live off in leftovers, and and that was her life. Is she was a beggar, really? But because Boaz was in the field, everything shifted in her life. And I think that's the key that God wants to get in our hearts. Is is He wants you know showing up is really important in your life. You know what I mean? Show up before the Lord every day of your life. Live your life before the Lord, and that's really great. And we should do that. But if He doesn't show up, no matter what we do, 
it's just not going to really amount to anything. The Bible says it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. That's what the Bible says. The spirit is gives life. In other words, if, if the Holy Spirit's not showing up, no matter what we do in our good intentions and in our spiritual efforts, it's not going to be a profitable to us. And at the end of the day, at the end of time, when you and I stand before the Lord, the things that God is going to look at is not, is not what we did of ourselves. It's not what we did in the natural. It's what He did and what we allowed Him to do. And see, that's the thing that really counts the most. And, and so I want to really encourage us to you know, find this person. Because that's what this book is about. It's about finding a person. And, and these people that found this person were in the most desperate place they could possibly be. The most desperate place. But because the person was there, their lives shifted. And they became part of a history of amazing, God's amazing history on earth. Amen? Amen. And so Boaz was a, was a man of great wealth. That's what the scripture says. He was the wealthiest man in the city. He owned the farm. And I think I shared a few times is God doesn't want us just to go pick beans in the farm. He wants to give us the farm. Amen? That's the heart of the Father. Is He doesn't want us just to go out and pick beans in a farm. He wants to give the farm to us. A lot of Christians don't believe that. In fact, there's people in this room, you don't really think that way. The reason we don't think that way is because we think in terms of an Old Testament live in the wilderness mindset. And that mindset was this. Every day, God's going to sprinkle some manna down the ground. You take your little bucket out there and you put enough manna in that little bucket of yours to feed your family for that day. If you put any more in it, it's going to rot. Okay? That's how we think. God doesn't think that way. God thinks this way. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. That's how God thinks. He thinks of a flow. Not drop something and have your little bucket and have no more. The reason... The reason... God allowed the manna to rot is because there was no flow in them. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. A lot of Christians are bound up because there's not a flow in their life. Your life's not flowing. So what you have will rot. Your revelation is going to rot in you. I'm telling you, it will rot in you if you don't release your revelation. It'll rot in you if you don't release it. See, God is a God of flow. He's a God of overflow. David said, He uh, fills my cup to overflowing. That's a picture of the Christian life that God has really called us to. The church, all of us, really are having to learn how to think differently. That's what Jesus said. Change your mind. Think differently, and you will be able to tap into the kingdom of God. That's what repent means. It means change, think differently, change the way you're thinking. And you can tap into an invisible world. You can tap into that land flowing with milk and honey. You can tap into a flow in your life. And so, to me, the book of Ruth really teaches us how to come into the mind of Christ. Are y'all following this? It teaches us how to step into this mind and begin to flow with His mind and begin to see how His mind works and see how to tap into the things of God for your lives. That's what, the, what I see in this book because these people started out 
desperate. They started out poor. They started out rejected. They started out on the bottom. And they wound up on the top. They wound up owning everything. Are you following that? And see, that's God's heart for the body of Christ. It's, a, it's His heart for each one of us. And, and He wants to teach us how to begin to engage. It's called the renewed mind in the New Testament. But there's an order to the renewed mind. There's a way to walk in the renewed mind. There's a way to live your life that we're not living, honestly. We're not living it as a whole. Are y'all good? Now, you will find in the book of Ruth that Boaz shows up in four places in the book. Number one, he shows up in the field. Okay, number two, he shows up in the threshing floor. Number three, he shows up at the city gates. And number four, he shows up somewhere that you don't talk about. The secret place is how they call it. It's the place of intimacy with Ruth. It was the marriage bed. And so if we're going to walk in the mind of Christ, we're going to have to have an encounter with the Lord in each of those four places. Now that's the truth. See, God created us ultimately not just to meet Him in the harvest field, but He created us ultimately to go to that place of intimacy with Him. Now that's really the truth. And if you, if you and I expect to live the, the life of flowing, to live the supernatural life, to walk in the mind of Christ, we're going to have to find our way to that last step. God is trying to draw us into that place. He's trying to woo us into that place. Y'all just sitting there looking at me like, <laughs> well, this is the truth, what I'm telling you this morning. God wants to do this for us. So, but there was one little thing that happened before she met uh, Boaz in the field. Is A decision was made. It says uh, in Ruth 2, 2 through 9, I want to talk about this decision first because if you don't make this choice, if you don't do this, nothing else is going to work. It says, uh, Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean, instead of gleam, everybody wants to mess with that, but, huh? Glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. Now that's what's happening right there. Now, that's a, that's, a, that's a word that she was speaking out. She was declaring something, okay? In other words, I'm going to go and I'm going to find me a place where there's some food and it's going to be a place of favor for me. That's what she was saying. I'm going to find that place of favor. She confessed it before she ever walked in it. And she said, Naomi said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come. Everybody say happened. That's what the Bible says. The Bible's happen is God's order. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. She happened to. Well, you know why she happened to? It's because she said, that's where I'm going. I'm going to find this place of favor. Okay, and I'm going to find that place of favor in my life because somehow that woman knew something about the heart of the Lord. She, had, she knew what His intentions were like. You know, she wasn't, you know, like a lot of us anyways. So first, the first thing I want to tell you about is about our destiny is I want you to hear this. 
your destiny and my destiny is tied up in the words that we speak. Okay? Let me say that one. Your destiny and my destiny is tied up in the words that we speak out of our mouth. Now, this is really important. Well, it's important to me, so if it's not important to you, I'm just going to... I had this dream two weeks ago. And in the dream, this is what was happening. I went to a place, a house that I knew about when I was a child. There was this black family that we knew when I was a little boy. And they lived in a, they had a, basically they had a sharecropper's house. And in the dream, I went to that house. We, I went to that house many times when I was a little boy because these people were like friend, friends of ours, my family. And so I went to that house in the dream. And there were some people there. There were people there that I knew. Actually, there was people there in this church that were there. And there was a conversation going on. And what was being said was not good. Okay? People were talking about a ministry here in town. And they were saying bad things about this ministry. And the Lord spoke to me in the dream said, I've sent you here to talk to them about what they're saying. And so... I told them in the dream, if you'll stop saying bad things about this ministry and start speaking life over it, God will do something in that ministry. He'll redeem that ministry and change it. Well, that was the end of the dream. And I was asking the Lord about the dream. The first thing the Lord showed me was this. One, my family that I grew up in. I'm not talking about Becky and... Aaron and Heather and Philip and Luke and Kara, Grace and Michael. I'm, ta- I'm talking about the, my brothers and sisters, my mom and daddy, were people who said bad things. Okay? They had, they, they had this spirit on them. The spirit was this, the spirit of pointing of the finger. And the Lord told me this, your family destroyed itself because my family got pretty destroyed your family destroyed itself because they pointed the finger at other people that's what he said to me your family destroyed itself and so I said Lord you know I mean it, it crushed me in the dream or the, when I was talking to the Lord about the dream it crushed me when I realized that, that was really the cause of my family's downfall and I really Ask the Lord to forgive my family and me. And I ask, Lord, let's, I want to make sure that my children and my grandchildren don't carry this terrible legacy on and destroy themselves. And I wanted to read this scripture out of Isaiah 58. You, you, you probably know this. I'll tell you a couple of little other things the Lord showed me. It says, then, Isaiah 58, verse 9, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. Listen to this. If, everybody say if. If you take away the yoke from your mist, the pointing of the finger, and speaking of wickedness. And so the Lord want me to tell you this. There's people in this room, your prayers are not being answered. 
And that's why. Because you have a pointing of the finger spirit working in your life. And you're speaking the wrong things. And the Lord is, has bound the Lord up from being able to help you. Everybody's real quiet. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, listen to this, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness. And your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will continually, will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. Satisfy your soul in drought. If a drought comes on America, you're going to need the Lord to help you. I'm telling you how to get His help. Is get that spirit of pointing the finger off on you. You know, and ask the Lord to forgive you for that. He'll satisfy you and strengthen your bones. You know, your bones, if your bones are messed up, you can't live, right? I mean, a doctor would tell you, your bone marrow, everything is created in there, your blood and all that stuff. In the blood, there's life, so. Your bones will be strengthened. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. That's talking about in times of drought. That's talking about in times of difficulty. Those from among you shall build the old waste places and you shall raise up the foundation of many generations and you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restore of the streets to dwell in. So I believe the Lord is, is wanting to speak to all of us this morning about the spirit of pointing our fingers and, and talking bad about other people, other churches, other ministries, the government. The person you're married to, your kids, your grandma, whoever it is in your life that you are pointing the finger at and accusing and finding fault with. God is calling you out today on that and saying to you, one of your problems in your life, the reason you're destroying yourself is because of your words. Let me read uh, Matthew 12, verse 34 through 37. And this is in the Message Bible because I just love... The Message Bible says some things a little different. This is taught when Jesus talked about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, this is how he said it in the Message. You have minds like a snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. So you can say stuff with your mouth and your heart be saying something else. But God is here in the heart. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. Let me tell you something. I want to tell you this. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. Every word on. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. And so I want to encourage you this morning about your words. Don't let them be your damnation. Don't let them be your downfall. God had a great call on my family's life. But my family 
is almost destroyed over it. Every one of them. Because of the words that we spoke against other people. And a lot of those words came out of insecurity and resentment. And so I really want to encourage you about this. Now let me tell you the other little thing the Lord showed me. The man that lived in the house was named Seymour. The black man, black woman. And the Lord said, Byron, do you want to see more? That's what he said to me. Do you want to see more? It says in Isaiah 58, if you'll remove the point of the fingers, your light shall come. The revelation of God will come in your life. The light will come in your life. The answers do you have to your problems will come in your life. The situations that you're facing will come in your life if you will do that. And I want to encourage you this morning. This is an encouragement. I know you all are like... Mm. <laughs> I want to encourage you. This is, this is the secret of God for you. This is the secret of heaven for you because God really wants to bless your life and be like Ruth. Speak a positive word, a word of encouragement, a word of life about her over herself even and over her situation even. And it will change your life. It really will change your life. And so I really want to really encourage you to, you know, take heart with this and, you know, and do this. Amen? Amen. Was that okay? Yeah. Are y'all all messed up? Oh, yeah, he's being mean today. <laughs> no, I'm really being good today. In fact, I was spent two weeks meditating on that dream because I knew the goodness of the Lord had come into my house to help me get out of some, some things. And I'm thanking God that I have a wife that calls me on the carpet if I say something I shouldn't be saying about anybody or anything. And I want to encourage y'all to do that with each other. You don't have to be mean about it. You know, you don't have to slap them or punch them in the mouth or, you know. But you can say, hey, you know, you need to, you need to be careful what you're saying right now. And if they get offended with you, then they ain't really getting it. You know, just say, well, read Isaiah 58 and... You know, Matthew 12 in the, in the Message Bible, and then we'll talk about it some more. Amen? Amen? All righty. So that's the first thing that I think is going to, do, that's going to help shift us into thinking like the Lord Jesus thinks, is speaking rightly. Okay? That's going to help us tap into the mind of Christ. All right. The second thing is, is and you know, I wanted to say something. Okay? Else. Oh, God. Lord, have mercy. Um. about Boaz. Boaz needs to become important to you and I. It's easy when you go through a hard time, okay? You can either, you, most people either fall in one, one way or the other. Some people get just angry with the Lord, okay? And that's just a whole nother, that's a whole nother program, okay? Some people get closer to the Lord, and they begin to see the Lord for how valuable He is and how important He is. Okay? I've seen many people go through difficulties and their Christian life would shift into high gear. You know what I'm talking about? And suddenly God became important in their life. And God began to minister to them. And, and they loved God. And they were 
passionate about God. But once the hard times got over with, you, you would watch them. You would watch the fire burn down in them. Do you know what I'm talking about? The fire would burn down. And, no, and God was not important all of a sudden. And they sort of went back to business as usual. You know what I'm saying? How many people feel like they've done that in their life besides me? Yeah. Well, the Lord was talking to me recently about that because I, you know, when we went through so much difficulty in this church, that was the thing that God got me to. He got me to Him. Okay, where I felt like this is the most important thing there is. Okay, I'm going to, you know, the Lord Himself is, is the most important thing. Okay, and, and it became a living reality in my life. It became the forefront of me. Okay, it became what I was thinking about all the time. Because you know why I was thinking about that? Because I didn't have an answer for anything else. I was stuck. I was stuck in a place with no answers and no help. And I had either God was going to help me and God was going to give me the answers or I was just going to be lost somewhere. And so I found myself in that beautiful place. And I began to enjoy that beautiful place. But little by little in my life, little by little, by little by little, by little by little, I became more and more thinking about other things, okay? How other things work, how this works, how that works, what the government's saying, what these people are saying. And I realized one day I woke up, I woke up and I realized, wait a minute, I've made all this other stuff more important than it's supposed to be in my life. I've made all these things, even good things, really important. So I said, Lord, you know what? I've got to get this right. Now, you and I need to get this right. We need to make decisions. God said, you need to make a decision in your life about what's, what's really important in your life. Okay? And this is what I decided. Lord, this is what's important to me is you. Your presence is more important to me than anything else in my life. Okay, that's what I told her. Your presence is the most important thing to me. Okay, I'm willing to negotiate away everything else in my life, but I will not negotiate away your presence. Okay, I'm willing to negotiate away how we do worship, how we do church. I will negotiate all of that away because you know what? The how doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Because you can do certain things a certain way. But if he's not in the midst of that place, those certain things are just, they're just nasty. They're ugly. They're flesh. They're carnal. They stink. And so I told the Lord, Lord, that's, this is what I want to do. I want to make that. And if the United States falls apart, Lord, I'm still going to live my dreams. I'm going to still fulfill, fulfill my vision. I will just pack my vision up and go to my house and do it there. I'm talking about my vision for church. I will do it in my house. If we get where it's illegal for me to do it in my house, I will do, I'll go find a basement somewhere and do it there. Because you know what? I can do my vision without having to have anything else. You, you, are y'all following this? And see, that's really what God's really calling the church in America. You know what? The United States may fall apart. We, the Christians may become the outcasts. The church may have to go underground. But you know what Jesus said about the church? He said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. The gates of hell may prevail about the way we do church. We may lose all of this one day. There will be a generation, perhaps our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, that they will lose this. They're going to lose it. Eventually they will lose it. There's no stopping it. The Bible says so. But you know what? They don't have to lose the presence of the Lord. 
they can take the presence of the Lord and do it somewhere else. Because the church is going to thrive. I promise you in China, the church is an underground church. It's thriving. I promise you, I've seen it. I've been there enough to see it. I promise you in North Korea, even though we don't know about it, because it's so well hidden, there's a church that's thriving in North Korea. Why? Because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates means the council of hell. And see, we had to shift our thinking away from how we do stuff. Okay? And shift it on to the person. Are y'all following this? And so we need to be encouraged. We don't need to worry about the United States of America. Okay? If we lose this country as it is, we haven't lost the Lord Himself. Unless our relationship with the Lord and everything we know about God is tied up with the way we live. If that's it, then we are going to lose it. Because all of that will eventually be taken from us. This is a great message, right? (laughs) You know what? We're going to thrive no matter what happens. We're going to thrive because we have decided, you know what? No matter what happens, the presence of the Lord is the thing we want. Our vision for this church is this. is We just want people to be able to experience the presence of the Lord. That's it. If you boil it down, that's the one. We want people to come into this place and experience the Lord, His mighty presence. How that happens, it, it may be different next week, next year, how that happens. And we can do that at home. We can do that underground. Are y'all being encouraged? I'm having a hard time getting y'all going. All right, anyways, let's just do something else then, okay? About the harvest field. The first place that that don't be scared, okay? Don't be scared. If you're scared this morning about the future, don't be. Don't be. You don't have to be. Because you know what the Bible says? God has given you a future and a hope. You've you got to start sticking with what the Bible says. You've got to start sticking with that kind of mindset. If you're scared about your future, you're looking at the wrong future. Anyways, Dee and Clark, where are y'all? In the church, the Lord spoke to me about you this morning. Let me tell you right quick before I forget it. Is that he is recognizing what you're doing. Okay? And he was showing me that a soup that he wants to give you, this is kind of crazy, but the soup had flowers in it. Stand up, D and Clark. Clark and D, D and Clark. God was telling me in this dream that he wants to recognize you, okay, what you're doing, your ministry. And he said to me in the dream that it's valuable and he wants to encourage you in it and that there's this soup that he wants to give you, okay. And this soup has flowers in it, which is kind of weird, but if you go to China, they have soup that has flowers in it over there. Soup, yeah, like, you know, soup you eat, you know, with a spoon and so the Lord, I don't really know what that really means. I don't think it necessarily means China, but it could be. But I just want to encourage you to tell you, I'm just telling you what the Lord told me this morning earlier about you, is that he is saying he wants to encourage you about your ministry, okay, that it's legitimate, that it's valuable, and that he's going to give you this particular soup to eat, and it's going to really help you it's spiritual, obviously, but it's going to really help you. Maybe it's the rose of Sharon in there, you know. And that's really what he showed me. 
So you can ask him about the soup. I ate the soup with you, actually. And it was really good. <laughs> it didn't look good. I thought, good Lord, this is flowers. What are we eating flowers for? But it was really good. And Lord bless you. Everybody turn their hands back to them and just bless them. Father, thank you for them, for Dee and Clark. Lord, we want to bless them this morning. And we want to affirm them and who they are as your son and daughter and the calling upon their life that you have ordained for them at this season and that you are saying it's legitimate and that you value it and that you approve it, Lord. You are The Lord is stamping you. You are being approved of the Lord today. And God will give you great confidence to do what you've been called to. And the Lord is going to provide for you. I know that's part of that soup is provision to take care of you, your practical needs and your spiritual needs. So do, be it, Lord. Amen. Yes, Lord. Any, the Lord's good at it. Anyways, uh, so the harvest field. That's the first place. I'm going to finish this. I really need to do this, okay? Just, just the harvest field. The harvest field, once she spoke right, the first place she wound up was in the harvest field. Okay, and now let me just tell you a little bit about the harvest field real quick, okay? It's the place where we meet the Lord, obviously. It's the first place we meet the Lord, Right? is in the harvest field. We meet him there, okay? And he saves us and he invites us to remain in his field. Now, is that not a picture of salvation? We meet him in this place, our place of need, God, and God says he welcomes us there. He welcomes us into his field. He says, you're welcome here. I love you. I want you here. And he says, please stay here. It's all right here in this this story. It's, It's every bit of it. Um... You know, it says this, it says, um, I think I read through verse 4. Now behold, in verse 4 it says, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the rippers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. That would be the way your boss, wouldn't that be great to hear your boss say that every morning? You get to work and he comes in, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, boss man. That would be a good place to work, right? Instead of getting fussed at. Like, why didn't you get that done? Anyways, then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of river, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of river's answer said, Is this the young Moabite woman who came back from the country with Naomi from the country of Moab? So first notice, notice this. Boaz said this. He didn't say, who is this Moabite? He says, young woman. The only other person that ever even addressed her like that was Naomi. Everybody else in the book of Ruth was calling her a Moabite, which was a bad person. Okay? Get this. Everybody was speaking down on her, going after her identity, telling her something that she was worthless, that she was a pervert, she was a a bad person. That That's what the world does to us. But Naomi, her mother-in-law, loved her, cared about her. She never called her a Moabite. She called her daughter. Well, here's the first person outside the family. He says, daughter, okay, young woman. So the servant who was, blah, 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 yes. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house, okay? And then in verse 8, Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter. 
will you not? Notice the shift. My daughter. Did y'all get that? See, that's a huge shift. That's where the whole book shifts. She shifted from being a poor person, a poor person living on everybody else's leftovers, striving to get by, getting her a little bit of manna every day. That shifted her into something else. It shifted her into the kingdom. It shifted her towards God. It was like the Father began to reveal His heart to her at that moment. It may have not meant anything to you or me for for us to hear this woman being called daughter, but for her, it was a huge revelation. It was a huge moment in her life when she heard somebody who had something of significance to be able to speak into her life and say something true about her. Are y'all following this? To speak to who she really was. Because she was really a daughter. She wasn't a Moabite. She was a daughter. And that was the beginning of her becoming a daughter of God. Are y'all following this? It's powerful. And everybody's got to have that experience. Okay? So he said, listen carefully, my daughter. You know, verse... uh, Eight, do not glean in another field nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. In other words, he invited her to stay there. Be here. Be with me. I invite you. I want you here. And that's how the Lord does. That's how we meet the Lord. I want you here. And whether you get it or not, when you get saved, God is talking to you about being a son or daughter. He's beginning to speak identity over you and and wanting you to know who he is as a father and he wants you to know who you are as a son or a daughter. You know, because everybody's born in this world as orphans. We were talking about the spirit of abandonment. Everybody's abandoned. The whole world's abandoned. You and I were abandoned. Some of you still are abandoned in your heart. Even though you've been invited into the harvest field, you're in the harvest field, you are living there with him or, or, or visiting there with him, but you're still carrying that orphan heart around in you. And you know how you know you're carrying the orphan heart is? Because you don't stay with him. You leave. Because that's what it says happened. I'll share that. i got to hurry up because we're going to do communion. So, y'all right? It says, here's some things that happened. In verse 9, they gave her water. And then, and when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink. So, we were talking about getting our thirst met, spiritual thirst. So one thing that happens in the field is your spiritual thirst is going to get met. Okay? And then in verse 13, it says that she was comforted there. And it's amazing. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me. Are y'all getting this? Y'all find, this is what happens to people. God comforts us. He gives us water. He satisfies our, our spiritual thirst. He's touching us. He's comforting us. He's reaching out to us, wanting to help us. Oh, y'all think I'm crazy. <laughs> okay. Yes. You have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I'm not like one of your maidservants. And now at verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said, Come here and eat the bread and dip your pieces of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, which are angels, by the way, according to Jesus in Matthew 13 in the New Testament. She sat beside the reapers and he pressed, he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and actually kept some back for later. In other words, that's what happens to us. God wants to satisfy. He'll satisfy your heart in the harvest field. 
He will satisfy your, your emptiness in the harvest field. That's what the majority of Christians are doing. The majority of Christians have entered into this relationship with God in the harvest field. It's awesome, right? It really is. It's awesome. But the problem is in verse 23, it says, So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest, but she dwelt with her mother-in-law. And see, that's the church, the Christians. We come to God, we get fed, we get watered, we get comforted. We get our needs met, but we don't dwell with Him. We don't have that intimacy with Him. We go back to where we were. I'm not saying we fall away from the Lord. I'm just saying there's a separation in our life. There's a separation in our life where God is not the center of our life. God is not the everything of our life. True. <laughs> Lord help us, right? Alright, so I'm going to just stop because obviously y'all ain't really liking this. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm just telling you, if we want the mind of the Lord, I'm going to tell you this. If you and I really want to walk in the mind of the Lord, we're going to have to find our way out of that harvest field. We're going to have to keep going with God. Okay? That's, that's what I want you to get. We're going to have to get beyond just being comforted, getting our needs met, getting our thirst satisfied, getting our hunger satisfied. We've got to get beyond that because, see, that's, that's pretty elementary. That's awesome, right? That is awesome. But that's not everything. That's not everything. God has more for you and I. And uh, you know, I hope, Lord, help us to give us grace to keep going. Amen? And not just stop with you. So, Lord, we just ask you this morning for every person in this room. Lord, um, I feel like you really are calling us into a new places, Lord, and to live differently, to think differently. And, Lord, we were real thankful that you've met all our needs and you've comforted us, you've healed us, Lord. And I just ask you, Lord, for those who don't feel like they've gotten their needs met this morning, that they would get their needs met, Lord. And, Lord, we know the world is just starving to... Starving for that water and starving for that food, starving for that comfort, starving for somebody to speak real identity to them and, and embrace them and love them and make them feel like they're worthwhile and, and worthy of something beyond what they have. Lord, we know that, Lord. And, Lord. and Lord, the church is full of people who need that too. We're those people, Lord. We are people who we are asking you to help us, Lord. We ask you to accelerate us. We ask for that reign of heaven to come, Lord. And pour out on us in a significant way. I just pray that for every person in this room in Jesus' name.